Hello, citizens of the comedy film nerd universe. <laughs> Never addressed them that way before. No. Alert, alert. alert. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, this, is a, this is emergency. This is not a drill. This is not a drill, you guys. We're going to talk about some really horrible mm-hmm. movies this week. Yes. Um, uh, buckle up for yeah. some really bad films. Now You See Me too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, although a couple of uh, interesting ones tickled wiener and uh we'll talk about the legend of tarzan trailer and some dvds 10 cloverfield lane london has followed and a couple special picks that graham and i'll get into later yeah um chris the air conditioning's on oh my gosh we gotta shut that off yeah hold on get get that shut down boy we didn't prepare anything it's not like this is our 325th episode We're a third Done. The, Lock it down. We're a third of the way to 975. I think when we get to 975, we'll have it figured out. Maybe. Doubtful. So, uh, well, we uh, we want to thank everybody who came out to the screenings over at the uh, SF Doc Fest. That SF was, Indie. It has like three different names. Well, the SF, SF Indie, Indie Fest, Fest is the parent company. Yeah, they control all the doc. You know, they control a lot of festivals uh, in San Francisco. So this was their San Francisco Doc Fest, which was really cool. Um we had two screenings up there. Mike Schmidt, thanks to him for coming to the second screening. Yes, it was uh, great to have him come out. A lot of you guys came out. Um, uh, kilt Bill showed up. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a kilt on. I'm seeing him less and less wearing a kilt, and that, that bothers me. <laughs> I, like, I prefer to see him in a kilt. Um, and everyone at the festival was really cool. Um, uh, Jennifer and Jeff, they're very, they run a really cool festival. It's been going on for 15 years. Um, the Roxy Theater great little old theater a lot of history in that theater. yeah a lot of history mm-hmm. and we saw some cool docs that we mentioned mm-hmm. in last week's episodes yes. if you haven't heard that we talk about several of the documentaries we saw at the festival which was really cool um so it was really it was awesome having all you guys show up and to see the film all finished on the uh, big screen yeah it was really cool it was really cool the color correction the sound mix everyone that's worked on this film you know it was it was because we've been watching the movie on laptops and shit like that. Yeah, like yeah. A TV monitor at the at the most, you know, like a 40-inch screen is the most I've seen this movie on in its completed version. So that was really cool. And, uh, and there were some, like the, you know, when we travel to Japan and Australia, those scenes pop a lot more on a oh, big wow, screen. Yeah. It, it's You really see the difference. And Tawan, you know, Tawan Baysmore, who we had on this show um, right after the Oscars, I forget the episode number, he did a great job in terms of a lot of the exteriors and the and the establishing shots we did in the various cities, Manhattan, you know, um, Sydney, and then the outback, Tokyo, and all this stuff. They really like right. they pop so well. The it it made the cinematography that that Andrew Garrity and the camera guys brought. Right. It, it it was that was really cool. And it was a, awesome to see. And I mean, about three quarters of our audience that is listening right now just went, "Great! Well, when the fuck do we get to see it?" Yeah, yeah. You know, I know we hear that once a day. I've gotten that on social media once a day. When is it coming out? So very Julia soon. Julia W D mm-hmm. Harrison, who was at the show, goes, "Why did it take so long?" <laughs> So, um, in the independent doc world, two years is not a long time. No, no. And for under $200,000. And that's the one thing we learned. You can't make a movie for under (laughs) (laughs) $200,000. It's funny. These two uh, women who have a um, East LA Interchange is a documentary that they had Mm -hmm. the festival. We haven't had a chance to see it yet. They came up like, holy shit, it took us 10 years to make our movie. Like, we. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, we're we're on the fast lane. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we fast tracked earbuds. But we're doing more festivals, um, and it'll be for sale in the fall. Yes. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. So it is done. It, it's coming. It's, you know. You'll get, uh, the rewards will go out, and then if you did, weren't part of the Kickstarter, but just want the movie, it'll be for sale on the site. It, it's coming. And we're setting up some screenings in LA. Those will probably just be sort of private screenings to get uh, distributors and sales mm-hmm. agents and shit like that out. But, uh, you know, you'll see it. Just settle the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, introduce our guest. Let's another do it. A, another first time guest. We've been hanging out uh, with a first time w- guest with a with a fascinating past. Yeah, absolutely. He has a, a podcast called Get Up on This, and uh, fifteen years ago, he was a uh, one of the emerging rap stars. 
in the hip-hop community. Yes. Uh, now, we definitely want to hear a little bit about that. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jensen Karp. I also like the idea that we never talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you, say, you say it in the intro, and then we just let it sit, and everyone's like, I don't know, if we see earbuds, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Uh, maybe we'll know if he's a rapper, maybe we won't. It's just, it'll happen or it won't. Um, yeah, we like a lot of mystery yeah. in this show. Yeah. This is, we're, really, we're the J.J. Abrams podcast. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we we just, leave a box, we let it sit, we never open yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to answer every question, why there's a polar bear on the island. No, Let's not really yeah. truly address the smoke monster. Right, no, no not at all. No, no need. There's no need. Just make a sound of chains. Yeah, please. The chains were important. We don't need to know what it was. <laughs> Let it live. I, I kind of worked on Lost, so I always feel bad shitting on it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What was did, it like working on Lost? It was fun. I did marketing for the final season, and it's one of those things where... Uh, like that's a dream job if you're in marketing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when you when you're in it, because you don't have to give any information. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you just but you guys should watch it. That's really what your job is. You just make a shirt that says "Watch It." Um, and it was fun because you get to do anything you want. It, it it's it was such like a open empty canvas, and then I did weird scavenger hunt stuff in different cities and different countries, and you could buy posters at the end of it and all this crazy stuff. And uh, they were it was like basically I've never had a job since that wow. just sort of allows you any idea you want to go through. Mm-hmm. How often when you, like, how much did you get to sort of work with J.J. and the cast and stuff like that? Well, J.J., not much, because he really wasn't involved in the show after season one. Okay. But um, I worked with Damon and Carlton every day. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was crazy. I mean, I've, again, I've never had that in my life since. I've worked on other great things like Breaking Bad and marketing and things, but I didn't work with Vince Gilligan every day. Right. That was a one-time thing where Damon, I could get on the phone. Every, I had to get on the phone every day with Damon or in some, in, in some capacity and get involved with him almost every day for a couple months. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, uh, it's been about almost 10 years. I don't know when the finale ran, but I started about a year before that, uh, that finale. No, about, yeah, about a year before the, even the final season. So it's been a long time, but that was really my break. And honestly, and almost everything I do started sort of from Damon and Carlton believing in me. Oh, very weird, cool. yeah. That's Super amazing. weird. amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, your podcast, of course, we were referred to you by our former intern, Sean Merrick. Over at Sideshow. But you're not a Sideshow podcast. No, we're on Earwolf. Yeah, Yeah. it's called Get Up On This. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Uh, Now we have approached 250 episodes, I believe. Uh, Yeah, 250. And it's a a show where we get people up on things that they should know about, whether it's movies or TV shows or musicians or apps. Uh, We we have a really good track record as far as getting people into things before it blows up or before it becomes a cool thing to know about. Like today, we're going to, I'm going to get you up on a, we're going to talk about a documentary that isn't out yet uh, that I saw last night that I think will take the world. It has a thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, I think it's going to take the world by storm. I really do. It was incredible, yeah. Very cool. And uh, and Jensen will be at LA Podfest this year, too. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. we'll be working over there. So tell us about uh, briefly about your rap career, then we'll get into these movies. Yeah, I have a book that just came out on uh, Crown Random House called Kanye West Owes Me $300, uh, which is legally allowed to be a title, because he does uh, owe me $300. And it's basically when I was 19 years old, I was one of Los Angeles' biggest battle rappers. I uh, was went to USC for film, Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was traveling on weekends to shows and, and just battling whoever, like 8 Mile, like you saw in 8 Mile. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ended up on a radio contest uh, here in Los Angeles, and I won, it was like a battle every day. You battle against three or four people. And the guy before me won 10 days. That was the champion. That was like, mm-hmm. the, oh, he won 10. Uh, I won 43 days. Uh, oh and so, God. yeah. And so when I ended that reign, I ended up uh, signing a million-dollar record deal with Interscope Records. And I record an album with Redman and Fabulous and DJ Quick and DJ Clue and the Black Eyed Peas. And uh, and one of those people was a very young Kanye West. So this book is a collection of stories from being like the most, because I look like if J.J. Abrams was like, I want to be more Jewish, which I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why he would do that. Uh, but, but like, I don't look like your normal rapper. I don't sound like it. So it's a fish out of water story about all these experiences I faced. One is with Kanye. That's just one story. But it's a bunch of different stories about a, a, uh, someone who was sort of promised fame and in the end uh, didn't necessarily work out for him. And it's, it's a sort of full progress story and I'm really proud of it. Now, do you think after the uh, first printing of this book, you'll get a check from Kanye for $300? I, I think he should have done it earlier because he knew of the title from what I understand. I mean, that would have just cut my legs off because yeah. I would have went and done interviews and been like, well, he paid me. So yeah. uh, the title is sort of insignificant now. Uh, but but I, I had a great, I mean, it, I had a great time with him. I've, it's not like a, a book that dogs him. It just sort of right. tells you what I saw and being the a, one of the first stops for such a huge megastar and being there when he had adult braces and stuff. It's just like such a weird thing to see what he's become. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. That's cool, man. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So where should we start? Should we start it? Now you see me too. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's uh, hear it now. Now, before you start, uh, I have to say the first movie 
wasn't that great. It was it was watchable, it was passable, it was, yeah. but it was interesting. We were talking about before the show. It's yeah. something you could barely get through on a plane. Right. Yeah, it's a it's an airplane movie. Go, okay, yeah, this will kill and two hours. It yeah. had an interesting premise that kind of Clive Barker has also kind of gone through a little bit, where you know you have people doing magic, but then they actually have magic powers, like Lord of Illusion, Illusions kind of thing, but. The whole first movie was getting to that point where, like, real magic is revealed, and like that's how it ends. I'm like, okay, so you just gave me a first act, of it's an origin, movie. yeah, 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 of uh, and a very sloppy and slow first act at that. So now I'm curious to see does this movie pick up there where, yep, magic is real. Now we're going to see like how it all implements into showmanship and how all that works. Ah, uh, God, it, it this movie. <laughs> Is so puzzling on so many levels, uh, like magic hands puzzling, yeah. or, pu- or puzzling <laughs> like, like, ugh, like, like why did you right, do this? Right. Like, the, not, not like how do you do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, no way. It's yeah. really like why? Yeah. Why did you do this? <laughs> Got like, it. <laughs> it's so. First of all, they. Where do I start? <laughs> um, it, it it says okay. So the trailer for this and the whole movie acts like they have this amazing, like everyone can't wait to see this. Like the Mm -hmm. first movie was just nuts. Like everyone went, holy shit, did you see now you can see me or whatever. Now you see me. The trailer is like, they're back. And it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, who, it's not Ocean's 14. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's like, they, and that's what they're acting like. You know, like it's the first Avengers movie. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the, like it's the advertising of like when they showed Spider Man in the, in the Captain America yeah. trailer and you went, oh, fuck. Yeah. They got the band back together. Like, holy right. shit. Yeah. Like yeah. you got chills. And then, and yep. then, and then, you know, um, Civil War is a really awesome movie. This movie, god damn it. It's the magic trick is how did you get Mark Ruffalo, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine to agree to this fucking movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the trick. Because they're and they they try really hard. They try so hard to like, all right, I'm an actor, I'm a film actor, I'm gonna get these are these are really solid actors, but god damn it, it's it makes uh, little to no sense. And Jesse Eisenberg, what is who is who is his agent? What the fuck is he going? On? I don't that, know what he's doing. It's like th- this, and then the Lex Luthor. It's like he's I, Johnny I, I, over the top. I'm even going to throw in the Woody Allen movie. I yeah. mean, he's making very weird decisions that that are not putting him in a very like darling esque manner. No, he's getting depth. Uh, yeah, he is getting depth. He's getting. I mean, let's not hope the long term depth, but, but like he is getting depth. It's it's just like what are you? Uh, what decisions? Who is doing this? And then you see things like Miles Teller, and you're like, well, good for him. Like there are certain people in his jo- in his little demographic that are making good decisions, Michael B. Jordan, etc. But not this kid. I no. know he's go- he is the antithesis of the the other yeah. two, Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan, yeah. who have like a fantastic four misfire. Sure, but you, you have to do those. That's forget. Yeah, them, you right? have to do those because mm-hmm. yeah. if if anyone came to you and yeah. like, do you want to be you, you don't have to do all of them. No. Right. <laughs> also, also, you don't have to do the ones that make you make bad decisions. Right. Like, like the Lex Luthor one, it, oh. he made bad acting decisions. And and that, to me, is like, because uh, I've had an agent since I was a kid or whatever. Right. Like, I think the good agents are the ones that, that don't just say, okay, you have to play Lex Luthor. It's also like, how are you going to play it? Right. Like, instead, he was a mess. I know. Yeah, he was like a human mess in it. And this was another human <clears throat> mess. This yeah. is another. Yeah. 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 Where he's just like, he's. The now, story, do, you, the now do you see the difference too of like Jesse Eisenberg is the type of actor that needs a really strong director? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he needs he needs a very strong director. Fincher, uh, yeah, he needs like a because big... Mark Ruffalo and Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine, they're not going to let the guy that did the Step Up movies make them look bad. Right? No, <laughs> yeah. they're going to show up on set yeah. and go, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to do. Here's how we're going to do this." And they don't look horrible. The dialogue and the pl- story points are just stupid. Like right. the first one had a couple. There were some set pieces in the first one. Right. There were some moments. Cool. I like that first set piece, uh, the, like the big reveal Vegas kind of show yeah, from right. the first one. Yeah, I even like the the first one. The set piece where they had this weird. Like little mechanism when they hit the apartment, and then like, oh, uh, yeah, like right. water flew and, and yeah. like stuff lit up. Yeah, that was but, cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mission Impossible kind of vibe right. for magicians. Yeah, uh-huh. it's also hard to make a bad movie about magicians, in my opinion. Like, I love Prestige. I even like mm-hmm. the one that's not Prestige. It's not as good. Uh, what was that? I forget it. Whatever. Uh, the point <laughs> is, 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 is it, they also. I know this because 
um, like there's like a little weird scene about like cool magicians in LA, like obviously because the castle and things that happen here. Right. But then there's like David Kwong and there's like a handful of dudes that are like becoming big deals. And there's one right now that's going on with uh, Frank Oz Mm -hmm. um, near UCLA. Uh, They're all involved in this movie. I know. All those great magicians are involved in this movie. That's what's so puzzling. Yeah. And it's like, it's supposed to be this, you you would think like, oh, the magician community is going to really get on board with this. I mean, the guy who directed the first one was uh, Lewis uh, Letterer, okay? Now, he did the, the two of the Transporter movies. He did Incredible Hulk. He's an action uh, director. Yeah, yeah. He did, uh, you know, he's got, uh, he did Brothers Grimsby. Uh, you know, okay, that's Proficient. That's, yeah, exactly. That's the mm-hmm. perfect word. He's proficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the person that did this movie is, like I said, he's he's one of the step up guys. Oh so, no, no no! Let's let's not let him off the hook just with step right. up too. Yeah, he's Chew. He's yeah. GI Joe Retaliation and Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. Bieber's Belieb. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Belieb and Belieber. So, like this guy is a horrible director. But isn't he set up to do even bigger things now? Oh, I'm okay. sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure I think he's his developments are crazy. I think. Uh, it, yeah, if I remember. It's it's. Well, let's look it up. So he, so that's part of the problem is. You see... Um, Enabling horrible directors. Oh, yeah, God. well, it's Hollywood. And, and, yeah. yeah, and letting them do the worst things. There's letting- nothing more powerful than a man in Hollywood who's directed once. <laughs> That's all you need. Just, oh, I directed once? Okay, I'll get the next job. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's, so he's done... Uh, his lineage is the, you know... Oh, Now You See Me 3 has already been announced. Oh, well, yeah, that's been greenlit from the announcement of 2. They did them. To, they announced them together, which is That's, crazy. Uh, you know, he, he you know did, sometimes studios just need a write-off. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's just like I don't. So. Is there any any type of story with this no, movie at no, all? Because that's what this guy does. He comes in. The step-up movies are hilariously entertaining. They are. They're entertaining. Yeah, they are because they're like they're like a a a, a martial art movie that has great fight scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because the step, the dance scenes are are fucking unbelievable. Incredibly shot, yeah. They're incredibly shot. They're incredibly choreographed. And then it's always some save the teen center storyline. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did to this. He's like, why do we need a storyline when I'm just going to have all these big dumb magic things and none of them make sense? And the whole movie is these guys getting getting bamboozled, you know? And and is it is that the reality or is it like oh shut? Who gives a shit? Like mm-hmm. it's one dumb. What? Like, I don't know how many times I said that in the theater. I was like, huh? And they're trying to be so cute and so clever. And it's just like, uh, it was really, it was really, you know. And then Lizzie Kaplan comes in her character and she's the wise ass, you know, street magician. Because Isla Fisher uh, could not be there because due to pregnancy. Yeah, she was really? pregnant. Really? Was it due to pregnancy? Is that what yeah. she calls the script? Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird name for a yeah. script. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to be pregnant while this is yeah. shooting. <laughs> yeah, my biggest problem with this film is it has a bad pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not, not pregnant well. Yeah. So it's like, it's not even... It's a movie I don't think you could watch on a flight. Wow. Like on an international flight. Mm, that's where, crazy. Like where you really need it's to. It's about go, magic. A plane should, that should be totally fine. Yeah. And oh. it's, it's, it's really brutal to watch. And you're just like, you know, Jesse Eisenberg, he's either going to start making some better decisions or he's going to keep making shitty ones and then blame the press for bad reviews or whatever. And he's, I'm wondering if he personally is just becoming a dick. I don't know. He doesn't do press, really. Yeah, he is pretty quiet. He doesn't. That whole that whole generation is pretty quiet. But but I, I I'm so confused by him. And I was such a fan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. How could you not be? Um, well, maybe I'll come back around. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Hope he doesn't go Emil Fisher. Uh, Emil. What was his name? Emil Hirsch. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was stoked on Emil Hirsch too. Right. He was great. And then he lost his shit. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Yeah. This movie's horrible. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do a palate cleanser then before we get into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's do uh, Tickled. You saw I cannot movie. recommend this movie enough. Mm-hmm. I w- was lucky to see a screening yesterday, but it comes out next week mm-hmm. in the U.S. I believe it's already out in New Zealand, which is where the filmmakers are from. Mm-hmm. And this is a documentary I knew very little about. It would be a disservice to you to tell you too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I will do is I'll tell you it is a documentary that at certain points in the film you will swear is a mockumentary. It is not. It is completely a truthful film. It is about an Australian or New Zealand uh, pop culture. um, Think of him as an NPR journalist. So he picks Mm -hmm. up personal interest stories. Sometimes they get a little viral because, you know, they're weird and strange. He looks for weird stories. And he's popular there. 
And uh, one day he stumbles upon a uh, competitive tickling video, which involves little kind of younger athletic men, um, you know, in their 20s, early 20s, uh, in Adidas suits. And they are on top of a man, and they're they're just tickling him, and it's got a weird vibe to it. It, it clearly, <laughs> clearly oh, feels really. really? It clearly, it's not, when you say it out loud, it's yeah. Not yeah. Well, you know, we all have our fetishes, uh, and so and so you watch it, and you just like you know, it, it's more like what is going on here? You know, like what is what's the what's the deeper story here? And so they start to he puts it up on the site and sort of very lightly, kind of involves it in his article, but he doesn't go deep on it. And uh, then actually friends of us, uh, friends of ours, I believe, the Dollop guys. I be- oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So the Dollop guys bring it up on a podcast, and that's mentioned in the movie, which was amazing to see. And uh, that picks up a little bit of heat. And so now the Reddit community sort of follows up on this vi- this video. And uh, from there, uh, they are contacted. I'm not telling you anything you can't see in the trailer, which is my goal here. <laughs> They're contacted by a company that tells them to legally please stop mentioning the video's uh, in any sort of way, or we will sue you. Uh, And that company has a female name. uh, And from there, they investigate everything that moves forward from that one letter. I guess it's also important to know that the letter is extremely homophobic because the reporter is gay. And it uses the F word. It's, it's, It's a crazy letter. And that's what opens up. Was from a company, though. Yes. And that sort of opens up the whole. It's, it is, it is what you wish catfish was. It's what you wish, it, and it starts from. Yeah, this is so disappointing. Like this I mean, is what you wish it was. This oh is oh my god. It is. It is not only one of the funniest documentaries I've ever seen, which you, which, which says a, it's a testament to the two filmmakers, mm-hmm. which are their their names are uh, David Farmer and Dylan Reeve. That's them, and they deserve every kudos they get. The the we it, it reminds me of okay and I know this is a weird analogy but it reminds me of Flight of the Concords because a lot of times when music is not in in comedy I'm like oh it's like especially with my history but the way Flight of the Concords would weave in music it was so funny it was like so talented mm-hmm. in a similar New Zealand way these guys are able to make a extremely disturbing documentary a a hair up on your arm at times documentary with laugh out loud bust ups. And and the the weaving in and out of it is, it's just a talented, talented documentary. Wow! So yeah. it doesn't. The whole thing is not about just competitive tickling. No, no, it's actually not about competitive <laughs> tickling. It's like we start there, but it goes into a completely different universe. Wow. Uh, and it is, it is. I mean, it, oh, there was applause. And um, if you're in Los Angeles this coming weekend, the 16th, 17th, 18th, I believe, mm-hmm. um, the filmmakers are here, or at least one of the filmmakers are here, and he's doing a Q&A and screening at the Regent, I believe is the name of the oh, theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that I know they have tickets up right now, but I can, a thousand tweet, Twitter followers on this movie uh i tweeted about it last night and they retweeted me immediately uh this is going to be a sleeper hit oh, for, right. do, for docs that's, this a, that's is, awesome yeah I, I love hearing that. that yeah that every that i'm pumped oh it is now i want to see it now. great yeah right. incredible tickled sweet uh-huh. all right so i next... wish i could tell you more but it ruins the movie yeah right yeah well, let's, okay, good. let's all go see it yeah um yeah the Docs like that are like discoveries. That's why they're so cool. You just go in not really knowing and just, you know, yeah. let it wash over it's, you. It's the thing, and, and we talk about it a lot on this show, uh, but that's one of my favorite types of documentaries is the, well, we're going to kind of cover this thing. What the fuck? And yeah. then it takes some crazy right. turn. And one of my favorite documentaries of all times, uh, of all time is called Capturing the Freedmen's, yes. yeah. um, mm-hmm. which started the Drecky, uh, who, who created Movie Phone <laughs> and then became a millionaire and wanted to make movies. Uh, he wanted to test his filmmaking by um, be making a documentary about uh, uh, rich, like um, rich family birthday clowns right. in New York City. So he just interviewed clowns for couple weeks and all the ones who get you know thousands of dollars to show up to park you know park place and and one of them he said let's talk about your family and the guy goes oh i don't speak about my family and he's like okay and he went home and he showed the footage to his wife and his wife was like go back he's like what do you mean he's like go back to that man and he went back and that's and you don't even know in capture the freemans if you watch it you don't know that this he it becomes a movie about this man's family he never says i started as a you know a documentary about uh, clowns you never know any of that you just watch this movie and that like that to me is what 
I made a documentary, uh, and it's funny you said two years for a full feature. I made a documentary that took me two years, and it's 13 minutes. Uh, so I know where you're coming from. But the, 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 the journey of making those movies is what I like as I've grown older. I've, I've moved away from action movies, and these are the things that I sort of love the most, or, or these journey films. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, we went through that a little bit, not entirely. We were asked this question at one of the Q and A's in San Francisco about like earbuds. We set out to talk about podcasting, and we were going right. to talk about you know Paul Gilmartin's mental illness happy hour, and then yeah. we got all these interviews of people talking about their battles with mental illness and how podcasting had helped with that, and we yeah that changed the focus of the movie a little bit, you know. Yeah, and, Paul's podcast mm. helped me too. I yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's helped a great a podcast. Yeah. Um, well, cool. All right. Tickled. I'm in. Yes. So check it out. The next one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, the sequel. Mm. Um, also now, about competitive tickling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the first one. And homophobia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sure they, I'm sure they yes. got to dig in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, the fir- <laughs> uh, this is faint praise, but it's better than the first one, you know? Okay. And uh, one of the main problems with the first one was everything? that uh, yeah other than everything was that the main issue was the tone like these are ninja mutant turtles mm-hmm. stop trying to make it serious it's not you know like that the whole michael bayifying right. of like we just need bigger explosions and bigger things blowing up and larger threats and all this nonsense um it, it didn't fit the license i mean then, then you're not making a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie so this one <laughs> to put it in perspective like, if you started at zero and you needed to get to 10 for a full course correction, this one got to four. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That's not strong. Well, so it, it, there was, you could see there was an attempt made. Like, you know, let's try to make this a little bit lighter. It is, you know, produced by Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, it's a fairly new director, Dave Green, who did Earth yes. to Echo. Yeah. Yes. Um, and which was also not a great movie. That was his first movie, Earth Deco? Yeah, he did a bunch of shorts mm. prior to that. Chris's mm. laptop is speaking to us. Yes. I guess that's good for him. Yeah, he did a bunch of shorts and he did some TV shorts. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. He's done huh. TV. And and then he... So... That's it. Yeah, Man, it's, that's crazy. But I, mean, I will, I, I I will hate... say it was, it was, a, better, it was a better tone. Um, was it more competent filmmaking? No, of course it wasn't. Right, it was... Uh, uh, but I, I liked the fact that they made an attempt, like more jokes, you know, funnier, more ridiculous scenes. You know, there's, you know, they they added like the other two mutants, the the Bebop and Rocksteady. Bebop, Rocksteady. And yeah, Casey Jones mutants. is in it. Was he in the first? Ca- one? Oh my god, yeah, Casey Jones was in it, but completely just extraneous, just right. thrown in. And it, it's it's Stephen Amell from yeah, uh, Arrow. Yeah, Arrow, yeah. And I saw an interview with him saying, you know, it's it's hard to get into features when you're in TV because you have a limited window and then whatever's shooting, whatever you're offered. He goes, I didn't set out to do another superhero movie. That's He was pretty much saying this is what was offered to me. Uh, and then he was trying to make a difference between his character in Casey Jones and Arrow. And as I'm reading the article, I'm thinking, okay, there is no difference. Right. That's pretty much what he's saying. And I saw the movie. There, Yeah, it's Arrow light. It, it's... You know, Stephen J. While I like Arrow, it, it's a very kind of David Duchovny kind of thing. Like he might have even gotten that direct the direction of like, well, just kind of be like Oliver Queen, but funnier or something. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could tell it was just him just being a little lighter, but still the same character. Huh. Um, so, and Casey Jones is a fun character in the comics. Yeah, you know, there's a lot you could do with that character in the cartoon. Yeah, and in the cartoon, he was awesome. So, yeah. so again, it's like. Um, filmmakers and you know studios that don't care that much about these characters just throw it out there it's all about the effects it's all about the big visual spectacle and um the only thing that i did like this time was that there was more of an effort to make it funnier and make it sillier and goofier which is what it should be it's i mean that that's what it always was meant to be um then you've got like you know the the alien isn't this time krang Krang. um how's that look uh, um, again, this is one of the problems with it. Like too realistic. Mm-hmm. Like this is these should be sillier, funnier characters. Like, and I always had a problem with these um, with the designs of the turtles. They look too human and too. They're buff. Uh, yeah, and, they're, and it's like, right. well, now you're just making you're making them look like weird and realistic and creepy. Yeah. they're mutant ninja turtles. They can look a little cartoony. It's yeah. okay. They look like they're on the Jersey yeah. Shore. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like big buff. Yeah. Jersey yeah. Mutant yeah. Turtles. Crazy. Jersey at, Mutant Turtles is a good movie. And, and if you look at the original one that, you know, Henson kind of did the 
suits. Yeah. Uh, they were more cartoonish. They yeah. looked, you Corey know. Feldman was one of the voices. Yeah. 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 Give so, me a break. Yeah. It was, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> that's kind of how they, you know, they were supposed to look as far as like, not these weird hyper-realistic bodybuilding, you know, mutant yeah. turtles. So the, the Clippers are in it, right? Right. The Los Angeles Clippers um, for a brief moment. Yes, <laughs> it's a oh, funny nice. cameo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cameo. yeah. Everyone uh, but Blake Griffin, I think. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else in it. And there's like the, you know their little um, Easter eggs, like Mirage '84 was on a license plate, and that's when they first appeared in Mirage comics. Um, but there was, uh, it, it, like I said, it's better than the first one. Um, it, it, it's also an interesting thing where the rating was purely marketing like pg-13 it was not a pg-13 movie the first one kind of was because it was all michael bayified with the crazy violence and right. stuff but this one was ant-man it was pg there's no reason it had to be pg-13 with the exception of you want to try to get the teenagers in and they're sure. not going to go see a pg movie. Right. but there's no reason for it but my my favorite flaw of this movie because it was so ridiculous is it starts out with you know shredder their arch nemesis getting you know, uh, they him rescued from police custody. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, all right, now he's going to go on a tear and stuff. Nope, just kind of walks around, scowls. He, he never fights. It's like the whole point That's is so that to weird. see the, the the crazy giant, you know, martial artist, like, yeah. well, no, he should kind of be fighting. That's so weird. You know, and, and it's all these these weird kind of choices. Like, I'm like, well, that, that was a weird choice. I mean, I don't know if uh, that helped the story at all. Um, a lot of loose ends never get tied up. But right. again, the first one was so bad. This is like, well, they tried. This was this was a, 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 a an attempt at an improvement, and it was a better film, but, you know, yeah, it's a relative term. Bad. I will devil's advocate it slightly. I haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. I will say that I think making Ninja Turtles movies with Michael Bay with a big studio or whatever like this, it seems like a disaster before it starts. Of course, yeah. Like <laughs> this is this seems like the that's one not of devil's the, advocate. That's just advocate. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. here's my thing. I can't imagine what the notes on Ninja Turtles movies are like. Right. Like they, exactly. They must be so insane. Right. Like I can't even fathom mm-hmm. where it starts and where it ends. Right. Like because I've seen notes on things before and be like, "Wow, that's crazy." I can't think of a nin- like, and also with directors in their second movie. Right. Like imagine what these people have to put up with. Oh, like, yeah. Like, even if they had a good movie at one point, I, it is a guarantee this movie will get bad by the end, just right. based on picking it, yeah. like picking it apart. So I, I'm, I'm sure there was a note, all right, we'll get Megan Fox in a skimpier outfit quicker. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm and sure. And that's what happened, like, right away, yeah. she's in a skimpy outfit. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I wish I could be in a screening room at the studio and listen to the notes. Oh, it's right. got to be, mm-hmm. this one's got to be brutal. I mean, all those, all those big property ones that didn't work the first time, and then you have a director that's listening to notes in the second one. Like I, I can't imagine what these people are telling him, and 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 also like those guys that write it. I, I mean, I hate to out this. Are are, are great dudes. It's it's Apple uh, Applebaum and uh, right, and uh, it's uh, his partner uh, Nemec is his last name. Yeah, Josh Applebaum and uh, Andre Nemec. Andre Nemec. Um, I'm I'm close with Josh, uh, which is uh, I'm, I, I I I am close with Josh, and I think. He makes great stuff. He's uh, he was working on Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy recently. Uh, th- these movies are are sorta. I mean, they have they're cooks in the kitchen. Right is a mm-hmm. is a minor statement about it. I think it just these things are destined to be turds. Right. Yeah. Is what I'm you saying. can't. There's no way. There's no way you make this movie without four million people telling you what to do. Yeah, right. and right? all of them are dumb. And yeah, no, one's talking no about one knows what they're talking about. And then also imagine even like when like we need more Casey Jones, we need less Casey Jones, we need right. more. It's mm-hmm. got to be like that's what it has. More to Megan be. Fox, less yeah. Megan Fox, less no, Megan Fox, no. more Megan Fox. The skirt needs to be shorter. Uh, we yeah. need the Clippers. Uh, can we put the Clippers in two more minutes? It's like, yeah. well, what are you doing? Why are yeah. we doing this? We've got to get the Clippers in. Here. Yeah, it's like, what? come on. We don't. Yeah, we really don't need it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a great franchise for a small company and a small film more independent that's oh. why like i remember the first one when new line grabbed it yeah it was like new line was like the small upstart up and coming like why are they grabbing that and it was a huge hit because they huge, yeah. yeah they um they stuck to kind of the tone and what it was and also um it, it doesn't hold up the original one no. but at the time you were like oh those are great costumes and they can fight in them and, yeah um uh, but but now, the the just the very um, just the just the the trajectory like you're talking about. You have this cool kind of indie property. It was always an indie comic too, and then giant studio. They're just never gonna yeah. match. Yeah, they're, and that's why Marvel's winning. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's true. Marvel's exactly. winning because they're they're making that transition really great. And mm-hmm. DC has great properties. Fantastic Four, you know, I mean, uh, for Marvel and Fox. But there are properties that are good in other hands uh, that are just, they're losing in that, in, that, in that sort of process. And I think that that's where a lot of these, that's why I haven't liked action movies for a long time, is I can see the process when I'm watching it. Yeah, oh, you can right. see, you, mm-hmm. you, you're like, oh, I can tell that was some dumb note. And, yeah, right. and that's why I liked the Ant-Man. Yeah. I, I expected it to be a total disaster. And I was like, right. after the Edgar firing and all these things, and I was like, oh, wait till this thing gets noted to death. And then I saw it and was like, ah, that was actually pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that, they're, they're, they're doing it right. Marvel, it's, it's amazing to me that they, because it's so, it seems to be so <laughs> difficult when you make these movies by committee, by giant corporate studio people yeah. that aren't artistic, that are that Marvel is able to do what they've done. It's incredible. I mean, it's really fan it's really mm-hmm. it's really fantastic yeah. because compare just we could the list is so long on the so other long. end. Yeah. The shoe uh, hasn't dropped. No. Yeah, it will eventually. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it hasn't dropped yet. Yeah. Um all right. So, so we have a sponsor. Yes, we do. Here's a uh, a spare man and we're going to give you just a little tease um of this interview, but we want you to go to uh my spare men, which is at Graham, and listen to it in its entirety. Because uh, the great thing about spare men is you can, you know, you don't, you don't you can talk on the phone without giving out your number. You can use it for dating. You could use it for whatever. It's limited to five minutes. It's limited to five minutes. You could just say, "Hey, I want to have a conversation about this subject," and just put it out on social media, and these people can anyone can. Are you call. looking for competitive ticklers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could use this. App. Yes. They don't have to know your real number. Do yeah. you have jumpsuits and feathers? Yeah. This yeah. Is for you. Let's pop it. Exactly. <laughs> There's some cosplay crazy stuff you're into. I'm sure you could find someone else on Spare Men. But the, what I like about it too is that. You could make your conversation public or keep it private. It's mm-hmm. up to you. You can uh, you can pick. And that's what we're going to do. So uh, download the app. You can either go, it's in uh, Apple, it's in Google Play, um, look for the Spearman app or go to Spearman.com. Uh, we're going to do another Fan Spearman uh, a week from today. So uh, next Tuesday um, at, we'll say, 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. June 21st. June 21st. Uh, we will do, um, you know, uh, like we did last time, an hour. You can call in and talk to us for up to five minutes. It was really yep. cool. Ask us any questions, anything you want to know, um, talk uh, movies, whatever. Let's just use the Graham Elwood uh We'll just use it at Graham. At Graham. Okay. At Graham. Uh, unless we want to make a comedy filmers one. Um, that's a great question, Graham. Yeah. Should we? Yeah, let's make it. We're going to make an All ad right. comment. We'll do it out of that one. But we'll, we'll be posting on social media yeah. um, and everything. So listen to this, and then we'll all talk on Spearman next week. Hello. Hello, and welcome. Hi, Jackie Cation. Thanks it's for Jackie. Taking- Cation. Yay. We'll yeah. both say your name. Well, let's both. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do a spare min with us. What uh, movie do you want to talk about? Right. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> what movie do I want to talk about? Uh, for the love of the baby Jesus, I am trying to think of the last movie I went. Oh, I went. I saw Captain America. We saw. We talked about that already. <laughs> oh, uh, X Men. Last movie I saw was. X-Men. Oh yeah, I want to hear what you thought about X Men Apocalypse. So if you want to hear everything Jackie has to say about X-Men Apocalypse, download the Spearman app and go to at Graham and you can see all of my public Spearmans and hear everything Jackie has to say about X-Men Apocalypse. Okay, we're back. Nice. So um, now let's talk about uh, this, this trailer that we saw over the weekend, The Legend of Tarzan. What did you think of that trailer? God, I can't decide if this is like going to be cool, like some the 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 newest Planet of the Apes, the movie, the Planet of the Apes movie that came out, I think, last summer, or the summer before, or is it going to be just a train wreck? I it, can't. The trailer's threading the needle. Is this some kind of you know giant effects-driven bullshit Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie or are they going back to the source material they want to actually tell an interesting story mm-hmm. and uh, um, I don't know I watched it I was weirdly bored 
<laughs> which I'm surprised by because I, li- I like watching it I sort of got that Jungle Book vibe and I liked the Jungle Book I thought that was yeah. a fun movie mm-hmm. um, I just didn't I don't know I didn't there was no real relation to this for me mm-hmm. That that's I think that's why I'm sort of the re- aspects of the trailer I went ooh and then I was like so I, I can't tell I can't tell if it has a really cool story and they just decided to cut a look at how cool our graphics are trailer yeah. Or if there's no story and that's why they cut that trailer right. together. It's yeah. hard to tell from that trailer. Which it it did be. make you want to think they go by the old story, though. I know that was the feeling I got from it. Like, they're, like, source material based. Right. But I don't but that, that would be great. That leads me to believe it could be a good film. Right. That's why I th- But I didn't feel that way. I didn't, there was no connection in the actual <laughs> things I was seeing. I just thought they wanted you to think that. I didn't feel it. Uh, it was not. I mean, I don't know. I was excited because it did seem people liked it visually. And so I clicked it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. This yeah. Is, this feels dumb. You feel like it's a it's a shell game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't, yeah, I got Monty'd. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't so. great. All right, so Jensen, um, you saw another documentary, and also yep. we want to talk about your book, but yeah. let's let's talk about this movie, um, Wiener. Now, I was really surprised this documentary came out because I just thought that it's the story's been told. Ugh. There's very few people who want to see more of that story, yeah. <laughs> and it was a kind of a puzzling documentary to me because it was like, well, how how big is the audience for this really that would want to see this film? Yeah. Well, I, uh, unfortunately said, I can't wait to see Wiener on my podcast. And now it gets used as a drop, uh, from <laughs> fans and my co-host. It gets used. I can't wait to see Wiener. Uh, so I'll allow you to have that drop clean here as well. Um, so here's the thing. This, um, was, I mean, I don't know. We don't need to go too deep. You know, the story. He was, uh, of Anthony Wiener, Anthony Wiener yeah. tweeted his, uh, his, his penis, uh, picture of his not even that bad really at the time earlier and then denied it like, right oh, that could, it wasn't me right and so then he denied it and and then had to buckle down and admit that he right had a lot of affairs sort of um through um technology mm-hmm. nope he has no touching affairs ever mm-hmm. he's never touched another person he's married to one of the most powerful women in the democratic party who is hillary clinton's basically is her right arm mm-hmm. most important person in hillary clinton's life politically and um so the reason this documentary is worth a retread to a story that you know almost everything about. It is not like the tickling movie. It is not about this Anthony Weiner controversy to me. It is about megalomania. It is about technology in our lives. It is about narcissism. This man asked a documentary, a documentarian filmmaker to follow him in his comeback. So after the first scandal, he said, follow me. I'm going to run for, um, for office again, and I'm going to rebuild my image, and you're going to document it. He still had problems, even at the time of asking the filmmaker to document it. He has a second run of scandal. And, <laughs> wow. And for the record, the documentary goes on. Mm-hmm. So you see things. It is a horror movie. I'm, 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 that sounds like I'm kidding. There are times I had my hands over my eyes watching the interaction between his wife and him while we see things roll in. We see him learn CNN has something new. We see Huma walk in his wife. We see them interact. We see them sit in silence. We see them, him turn to the camera and say, okay, we need a couple minutes. We, that, we see all of it. And it is, it is a terrible fly on the wall movie. So, and it's beautiful in that way. In the sense mm-hmm. that, so so to try to understand, is it so it's more about showing like these like power couples that just make these horrible arrangements? Well, she is not, we do not know the real arrangement there. Um, she is a, she's an angel. Oh, okay. It may be, okay. maybe, maybe not. I don't know the story. All I know is from watching the documentary, I believe she is a angel on earth <laughs> in some weird way, or there's something going on that I don't know. But she stands by her husband we know that because that's the, you know that's in public we you we know that they're still together um but watching her react to the things that are coming in and she's getting plummeted from every angle hearing these stories it's it, it's it's you don't need to know much about like even in the movie you just need to know that someone is getting outed publicly and then you watch what happens behind the scenes and then you see a megalomaniac he's a he's an egomaniac like but he also is a great politician <laughs> which makes for a very weird dynamic because he's very passionate. Put him in a room like any egomaniac, he will turn a room. Even at the even near the end, he turns rooms. He's mm-hmm. he's a great speaker. He's passionate about what he's talking about. But that's the same need inside of him to have these validation relationships because he's not meeting these women. He's just getting validation through communication. 
And that's a very strange thing to watch someone juggle, especially on a, on a public scale. So you have it's a, it's a cool movie in that way. Wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. All right. And well, I think you might be turning this room around. You should. I actually yeah. want to see it now. Maybe well, you guys want to see a quick picture of my dick? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay cool. I'll show you quick. That, that's how I get into it, and then I yeah. and then I, I see the opening, and there it, it goes. It's about technology. Wow, yeah. that's great. <laughs> yeah, it truly is informative episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, but give it a shot. Okay, and so you just so overall is is, is documentary sort of. I love them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll see everything. Um, I haven't been a big action guy in the last year or two. Um, it's just because I feel like I've seen it before, mm-hmm. and I'm just waiting. And I like that's why I did like a couple of movies here or there. But I'm excited to see Civil War because people have convinced me I have to. But did, I just don't want to. I don't know. Did the love of documentaries kind of fuel your desire to write the book about what you went through? Um, th- I don't know if it fueled it, but it's definitely from the same elk. Like it, it, that, that's where I, I have a passion mm-hmm. to um, tell my story is because I've seen. I mean, also therapy. Which is what, I mean, you brought up Paul's podcast, but I didn't talk about that on his show. But therapy, um, and and I had failed, basically. So, like, I didn't release an album. And in hip-hop, that's, like, a cardinal sin. Like, you, yeah, you, you basically, because you're always so, especially as a battler, you're always so nervous to hand anyone ammo. And basically, being a failed rapper at Interscope Records after they spent $700,000 on you, like, that's 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 the rocket launcher. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't really want to do it anymore. And for years, I had treated it, you know, like this sort of hidden past. And I got in, I got back into comedy and, and did well as a writer. And I, if I got into a room and someone immediately was like, hot Carl, I, my body would stiffen up. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. And even if someone would come up and be like, I loved your music. I just like, okay, thanks. And just walk away. Like I hid this when it popped up on YouTube, I would email YouTube. I'd flag it. So like, you were ashamed of it? Ashamed of it. And so going through therapy and, and getting older and developing and sort of understanding it's part of my story uh, and having a bit of a, a health scare in my life as well. Um, that allowed me to look back and want to tell the story um, chronologically and sort of from a larger um, a larger place, which is, yes, I tell stories about writing songs with Cisco, and I tell stories about, you know, very, you know, Mark McGrath through my 21st birthday, very weird stories about being in this scene, but at its core, it's actually about finding a creative dead end and making a U-turn. And- did, did, oh, interesting. Did you, I mean, I'm assuming this is true, did it sort of help you get through the the all of the other stuff you were battling about it in terms of the shame of it and then going through... Because I'm assuming then there's also, when you walk away from that, then there must have been some time, some years of whatever of struggling to get work and that kind of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Which then, of course, fuels the... All of it. I'm an asshole. This is a failure or what waste I, or whatever. That's what did what I do is. wrong? That's yeah, what it is. Like yeah, that. and I have obsessive thoughts disorder, which I talk about in the book a lot, which is, um, it's OCD. It's like washing your hands, but I have it for thoughts. So they have no significance as to like, if my dad, my father passed, but I don't think about that as much as I think about maybe like, I like broke something in the house. Like right. I broke a candy dish in my mother's house and I'll think about that more than I will my father passing. Mm. Um, and so like, I don't have, like, I don't have a gauge for those things. So I have to deal in real time with them. So failing was like very tough on my obsessive thoughts. Right. So, so I, I, I ended I up. I can't identify with that at all. Well, yeah, I think everyone has a little bit of it. <laughs> That's and, all I do. Yeah, it's, it's, like- it's rough. And so I, but I've really been able to, to conquer it. And, and this book is sort of the, kind of the peak of that, which is I, I can look back from a, um, a non-bitter avenue. Like mm. I can look from a, a fresh pair of eyes and tell the story, tell all of my stories, but then also talk about, earnestly talk about my feelings. I was a 21-year-old trying to get on TRL. I'm not going to wink about it now. Like I, I want you to know that I had those human emotions and they were crushed at a young age. Um, but I opened an art gallery with that money immediately after. It's called Gallery 1988 in Los Angeles. It's all pop culture-based stuff. And um, watching that, come together right afterwards and that took three years to start making profit like i just i had a journey and and this is just the small path this is just from the day i started to want to rap when i was 13 to the day i i decided to not do it again when i was 23 Hmm. Um, what 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 got you to the place of all right i'm ready to write write a book talk about it be open about it be open about all of the emotions of it and look at it as you say sort of through on the other side of the of the yeah. the journey, well, it's, it's therapeutic to write it, isn't it? Yeah, oh, like God. You, you can work out so many things yeah. when you're writing mm-hmm. the. Uh, well, I got the, the chance to write my ending, like mm-hmm. which is a huge deal. Like when when things are creatively taken from you, they have the last word. Yeah. and I've mm-hmm. been I've been given the opportunity to frame it differently, and that's what I mean. It is a very funny book. Um, it's a lot of jokes, but but at the same time, like it, it is emotional and and I went through hard times and and I I actually the reason I wrote the book is that I was diagnosed with brain tumors um 
a couple of years ago, they are not developing and not growing. So they just have to get tested every six months. But when you're waiting to see if you have brain tumors, brain, well, I have those <laughs> to figure out if they are de- like multiplying brain tumors, you know, like the, basically right. the thing you hear when people die is that they keep growing and mm-hmm. you have a huge tumor and it's growing. And I, I don't have those. I, they're, they're stagnant. Uh, but those six days of waiting, Fuck. you think like, oh, what do you, what, what goes in your mind? And I didn't have a bucket list or I have a very small family. Those things, I didn't have a girlfriend, I didn't have a child, I didn't have anything. Uh, but what came up was I had unfinished business and, and I knew that I had to tackle this to feel more complete. And I've had, um, like this book came out last week. It's been the best week of my life. And not just because like it gets a lot of attention or whatever. It's been the best week of my life because I feel free. Like I feel right. better and I feel, um, open and I, I like it's been and, and a lot of people who I had a, a book release party at the uh, Skylight Books in, in Los Feliz and it was a great turnout and a lot of the people from my story were there and it oh. felt weirdly oh, like cool. a TV show and like mm-hmm. the, one of the people who when you read the book his name is DJ he's an A&R and he's not necessarily your favorite character in the book he, he's part of a problem and, and to have him there and to like release my feelings about him and just that's it I'm happy he's here like that that stuff was really therapeutic for me Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And the- so you actually turned book signings into group therapy. I turn everything into group therapy. But yeah, I turn every relationship into group therapy. So why not Why not turn my book signing into it? Yeah. Well, that's really, really cool. Cool. Thanks. I'm excited to read it. Um, Thank you. So, okay. So let's talk about uh, DVD and Blu-rays. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. My wow. fave. Fucking, wasn't it a blast? My favorite movie of the year so far. That, mm-hmm. that and Tickled are my two favorite movies of the year so far. And, Such a blast. Uh, and this is the great thing. Like, if you didn't see it in theaters, man... Get the DVD or watch it on VOD wherever you can find it. It's a blast. It's so good. It's yeah, so much like fun. I said, my only complaint was how it was presented to me. You know, you yeah. don't need to put it into the Cloverfield universe. It's it's it uh, right. it it's fine on its, it's own. Fine on its own. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that guy's gonna make everything right. That guy's gonna get a Star Wars and yeah. yeah. What's his name? He was like he's part of our scene a little bit. He's like uh, in with the slash film dudes. <laughs> he is. He's like he used to do like a podcast with them. And he uh, he's a, 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 a he was a buyer at my art gallery for a long time. Oh. Uh, he's a really nice guy. Just a Tracton Tracton. Uh, oh, Dan Trachtenberg. Trachtenberg. Dad Trachtenberg. Yeah, he's part of the Buffy verse. Yeah, he's for great, a while, right? I don't know. I don't. I just think he's great. Mm-hmm. But this is his first movie. Right? He did a, a short. Um, he's written for a long time. Oh, he has. Yeah, he's written forever, but this was his first feature. He did a couple of shorts, um, yeah. one called Kick and one called Portal. He Portal's did. the one that got a lot of attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is... Uh, good for him. He yeah. should make a million movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a good one. Give him a magic movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Um, yeah, so London Has Fallen. Yeah, that's another sequel that uh, no one could wait for. Wow, that was exciting. <laughs> um, this will be something I... Don't know if I'll get through on a plane. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that. Yeah, uh, Eddie the Eagle. This is um, this is. It's always funny when some of these like big inspirational Olympic stories get completely ignored by audiences in the press, <laughs> and this yeah. is one of them. Um, it was a, uh, I think a Australian a ski jump. Yeah, ski jumper. He well, there's there's no there's no ski jumping in Australia. Or it was uh, it was it. it was England or something, yeah. and then uh, but I think it had Hugh Jackman in it too. Yeah. Um, it was a weird thing. Like you would see billboards and stuff. You're like, you would have no idea what it was about. It was a weird marketing campaign. And uh, yeah, that's right. He was a British uh, underdog. It's a, it's a, I guess it's a based on a true story mm-hmm. um, who charmed the world at the 88 Winter Olympics. And uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman's in it. Well, I, the guy actually going door to door would have been uh, probably more people than saw the movie. Yeah. This is actually a movie that I would be on a plane and go, oh, I never saw this. I'll give this to, you know, like this. Imagine working in plane movies. Yeah. <laughs> We're making this because it's going to be great on a plane. I know. Oh, God. It's the worst. Um, it's our lives. <laughs> and then another one was Get a Job. This is an Anna Kendrick movie about, mm-hmm. you know, people. This this is still happening, by the way. People graduate college, have trouble finding jobs. Yeah. So it's, it hasn't changed. Wow. Yeah. Great. Uh, I, I just find it fascinating that Anna Kendrick has played everything from an executive to a high school student for the last like 10 to 20 years yeah yeah pitch perfect one she's a college yeah. student right yeah she's like 35 yeah so good for her she's ageless um and now we we actually um went into the vault a little bit and saw some uh, older movies you saw dragon i saw dragon so that's a, a donnie yen film that came out in 2011 i saw it on one of the online streaming services whose name we're not going to mention anymore because they didn't have nice things to say about earbuds um <laughs> gone <laughs> yeah, gone so um uh, Dragon's a really cool movie. Um, it it uh, Donnie Yen, um, who we've you know we've we've talked about um, on this show before. 
Um, it uh, it's really interesting. It I'll read you the the synopsis for it. Um, it uh, a papermaker gets involved with a murder case concerning two criminals, leading to a determined detective suspecting him and the former's vicious father searching for him. So uh, it's really it's really cool. It takes place in like China in like 1919. There's great action. It looks really beautiful. Like I would take the time to to watch this on a nice flat screen and turn the lights down and don't have your laptop. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't a background film. This is like give it the attention it deserves. Um, it's really beautiful. It's a cool story and and it's 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 nice. It's good action. Very cool. Uh, well, I saw Redbeard. This is. Uh, cor- Kurosawa's movie, and first of all, I was a little disappointed not about a pirate. No, well, uh, I mean, dragon's not necessarily yeah, about a dragon. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> yeah. like all this false advertising. Yeah, yeah. it's all uh, and Eddie was, the Eagle, not yeah, an eagle. Yeah, yeah I know. Eagle. We have a real <laughs> problem insane. here, guys. Yeah, we have a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is the only Kurosawa film to feature the nudity, which was interesting, and it was not a, an erotic scene at all. It was an operating table. Um, so it, it was an interesting film. The thing about Kurosawa's movies is they're always, um, even when they're slow paced and when sometimes they, they feel a little bit like, all right, just get to the point. There's other oh, slow burns. They're so good. And they're yeah. so, they're deceptively simple. Like you think, well, there's not a lot going on, but there is a lot going on when you uh, go back and watch or when you think about what's going on or, or the stuff that builds, sometimes you don't even see it coming, which is interesting. Now this is about a, uh, uh, kind of like young surgeon that uh, was supposed to like be, you know, I'm supposed to be the head doctor for the Shogun or whatever. And then he gets sent to this little tiny rural <laughs> hospital in the middle of nowhere. And he like, he doesn't want to even put his uniform on. So he's like, I'm better than this. It's like so, Doc Hollywood. So yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it, it is. <laughs> it's the it, samurai. It's a it, black it, and white samurai is, Doc Hollywood. It is really like a, a Japanese feudal Doc Hollywood. It really is. Uh, that's exactly what it feels like. And, um, but what's fascinating too is because the movie is so long. Um, so Toshiro Mufune, is he the uh, he's, 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 he's re- yeah, he's, yeah. He, no, he's Redbeard. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He, he's like the uh, he's the the mentor doctor that trains like oh, the, the guy new that uses the can of coke to oh. fix the kid that Michael J. Fox. That's it. Open up. That's what he is. Right. I love yeah. how deep we're going into Doc yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love it. And what's great too is you kind of name a movie Redbeard because he has um, red in his beard, but it's a black and white movie, so you That's never funny. actually see it. So, do they say in the movie like he has red in his beard? Do they explain? Yes, that? Oh. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's why they call him red because he has red in his beard right. because it's a black and white movie. You'd never know. And then they look at the camera and wink. Yeah, <laughs> red beard. So uh, it, he wanted it so authentic. This is what I love. Kurosawa wanted the clinic to look so real. It was filled with expensive medical equipment, and even doors that were never opened were actually full of like pill bottles and that's stuff. So with weird pills. So the one thing that did make this movie go on way too long is that it was almost episodic. Like, all right, here's like a new case. Solve this. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was almost like a a, a weird ER. <laughs> like you're like you're watching four episodes of ER. Like, okay, we're going to solve this medical issue. We're going to solve this medical issue, and then it just kind of built to. Uh, um, you know, a dramatic conclusion. And ultimately it was a character study between these, these, uh, the young doctor and the older doctor that mentored him. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you know, I, I can't imagine, um, Kurosawa ever making a bad film. Yeah. You know, you look at, uh, Rashomon. His, yeah. You, you look at all of the movies, that you, even ones that you don't necessarily love, there's always something interesting or good yeah. going on that you could, you could enjoy um, even like one that was a big departure for him, like when his final film dreams, mm-hmm. it, it was um, it was basically vignettes that as he was looking uh, back on his life and, you know, some were stronger than others, but it's still always really sure. compelling and sure. interesting. So it's, if you've got a large amount of time, like I think this took me three or four days to finally get through. It was, it was a long movie. And since it's black and white and subtitled, you really got to pay attention. You got to focus. So, um, but it's it's definitely worth uh, going into the vault to check out. So check out Redbeard. All right. Not about a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and the site spotlight and fan feedback. We've got uh, Neil's Warcraft review. He was. I'm surprised he was not as vicious on it as I thought it would be. Uh, he didn't like that movie, did he? It was borderline. It was like he was lukewarm on it, which is farther than I thought he would get. The trailer makes it look so dumb. Yes. And the international the, numbers, though. 
Now, like it's insane. Oh, oh, China, huge. It's like the biggest movie in China history or something. Yeah, really. Because it's based on the video game that everyone plays over there. Yeah, World of Warcraft. Warcraft. People play it here too, but they do. We we don't we don't let people get away with movies just because we play the video game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's it's a little different over there. Now they did. This is the one rare occasion that they picked an actual filmmaker to make this movie. Duncan Jones. Yeah. Who did Moon and uh, a couple other? Uh, Yeah, he's great. So you have. you have a filmmaker that tried to actually put an actual movie in here, but ultimately did it succeed? I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, check out Neil's review. You can see um, him being pleasantly surprised uh, in the movie. And the other thing we wanted to talk about is that uh, we're doing some contests. We're giving away some free stuff. Uh, I believe it's on Instagram. So check it out. You can check the Twitter and Facebook feeds for the contest uh, details. What's going on is our, um, our social media person daniel is handling the contest and shipping out the rewards so we kind of gave him carte blanche yeah yeah run it any way you want so check out what he's doing (laughs) we haven't yet but i know what's going on yeah go to at comedy film reds on instagram uh and uh at comedy film reds on twitter so we are there's uh some books and t-shirts and definitely we're giving away all my podcast contests uh social media are run by anthony weiner yeah. <laughs> so I just let him do whatever he wants. So, uh, so it's all just digital rewards. Yeah, whatever he yeah. wants. Yeah, yeah. And you can call them rewards. I don't know what yeah. they are. Stick picks yeah. a plenty, guys. Yeah. Just, go to, just go there. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be, you could win a digital penalty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not, you're not winning, you're losing. Yeah. So, okay, so premiering this week, Central Intelligence. I, um, you know, I just, I feel bad for Kevin Hart. He, the, these are the scripts he's getting. He's a funny guy. Um, I saw the trailer and it's like, it, Basically, it's again. It's another movie put together by a computer. It's all it's, about and that catchphrase. Computer. It feels like that catchphrase came up first. Yeah, yeah. Little Heart, Big Johnson. Yeah, feels like yeah. the movie. Like right. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And then that and, was the pitch. Yeah, yeah. There's Little some, Heart, Big Johnson. Yeah. By the way, I'd buy that pitch. Right. Yeah. It's a good pitch. <laughs> it's better than what they made. I mean, it's like, man, that's a good pitch. I there, like that. There's some studio AI that's just spitting yeah. all of these things out. Yeah. Uh, there's a, central, yeah. There's a <laughs> studio <laughs> mainframe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just literally spitting these out. It just walks around. <laughs> yeah. And, and then goes. just spits out the storyboards and then, you know, it's tasked to some the horrifying heart, director. Yeah. You know what they're making together next? What? Jumanji. No. Yeah. Really? Kevin Hart and The Rock are making Jumanji they're, together. They're remaking Jumanji? Yeah. I wrote on the MTV Movie Awards. This isn't a scoop. It's online. Mm-hmm. But I wrote on the MTV Movie Awards. with They were the hosts. And uh, at one point, Kevin Hart jokingly, we were talking about stuff. He's like, you know how fucking famous we are? We're making Jumanji. <laughs> Which is my favorite line. I want that as a t-shirt. You know how fucking famous we are? We're making Jumanji. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. But yeah, they're making Jumanji together. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I don't know how that works. but Nice. All um, right. Uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finding Dory. Um, uh, I don't know how good this movie is going to be. I just know it's going to make a fortune. The early reviews are really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad because the, the trailers kind of make it look like a retread. Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah, like bad trailers. Real, yeah. yeah. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, didn't we just see the story yeah. before? Yeah. Um, it's supposedly good, though. Everyone likes it. Yeah. So, and then this next is a documentary, Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Now, I would imagine you can't wait to see this I'm one. very excited. It's been, yeah. this is one of those rumored movies for like 10 years, too. Yes. This has been around forever. It's about guys who recreated Raiders of the Lost Ark. This fan film has been around forever. Yeah, I've never made, seen that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been, but it's also like had some legal issues here and there, right? Yes. Uh-huh. About screening it. Right. Um, and now, because That'd be of, weird. Because they did a shot-for-shot shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is that a, some, uh, but is that illegal? Said, uh, <laughs> I know that's, I know this is a dumb question, but is that illegal? If it makes money, it is. Right, but they, but I always thought they just screened it. <laughs> so, well, then, that's, again, it depends how aggressive the right. lawyers want to yeah, get. Yeah, I guess they did get aggressive. Right. But anyway, this documentary follows them uh, while they're, because they started when they were like 12 or something. Yeah, they were 11 mm-hmm. years old in 1981. And they finished when they were like in their 30s, right? Mm -hmm. And so they made a shot for shot remake, and then this is the story of them doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very excited. This is awesome. Like everything that's great about a documentary. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Two people with a crazy idea that takes their whole lives. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I love it. And we get to see the journey of making it and then the actual finish. To make a movie that was already made. Yeah. 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 (laughs) To reshoot it. And supposedly some of the shots are like really good, and then other ones are like campy, but they're. Supposed to be really, but it's the it's the right. thing that's why it's why story. all of us, yeah. you know, we're kids when that movie came out. We all go, oh, that sounds awesome. It sounds I, great. I, I yeah, yeah. That. I'm gonna make that in my yeah, I would give 25 yeah. years of my life to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do that. yeah. I've thought about that more than I have marriage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely thought about remaking a film from my childhood more than having kids. I'd start doing it now. Yeah, I would like, do that right now. Maybe we should do Goonies. Yeah. Oh, Goonies would be good. Chris's backyard. Let's yeah. Do right. Let's do mm-hmm. now. You see me too. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a small shot take. Shot remake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, we would do a director's cut. Yeah. yeah. It's a real undertaking. Our remake would have a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the difference. And in actors ours. that wanted to be there. Yeah. yeah. That is a, a fan difference. reboot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fan reboot's not a bad idea. That's a great idea. Fan <laughs> reboot's kind of Cloverfield. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. It's like, oh, I made it what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I can see that. that that's why Clo- ten Clo- Cloverfield works. Great. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our episode, guys. That's everything. Um, so download the Spearman app, listen to, uh, who we had on today. And of course we'll do the fan one next week on the 21st. Um, we will be announcing more screening dates yes. for earbuds. Uh, in the meantime, of course, uh, Los Angeles Podfest, September 23rd mm-hmm. through the 25th. We have sold, I'm not making this up. We have sold more tickets now than we have in years past. So it's going to sell out before the event. So buy your tickets. We keep adding more shows. Um, if you go to LAPodfest.com, that's sort of a placeholder page. We're, we're working on, re, you know, making the page all. And Jensen's the first time it, uh, he's going to be in the festival. That's right. It'll nice. be our first time Matt and I will be coming. We'll, we'll have a great guest, I'm sure. We'll be very excited. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be Kanye West. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, maybe just a stack of $300 bills. Yeah. And I just interview it and talk to it about what it, why, it means, why it's so important to me. Yeah. He's going to interview three sing, $300, $300 bills. Yeah. No big deal. Well, we're happy to have you. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you guys for having me on. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JensenClan88 with a C because I'm not racist. It's J-E-N-S-E-N-C-L-A-N-88. And all the stuff I do is at jensencarp.com with a K. Where can they get the book? Everywhere. Uh, but I put all the avenues that they told me to put on. Like the company was like, it's like Amazon and mm-hmm. it's an it's an iBook or for your Kindle. And then I did the, I narrated the audio book. Um, so all that stuff is at jensencarp.com. It's uh, mm-hmm. J-E-N-S-E-N-K-A-R-P.com. And the name of the book? Uh, Kanye West owes me $300 and other true stories from a white rapper who almost made it big. And we're going to look into carrying here the CFN store, yeah, but they'll be cool. special. They will be signed. Oh, yeah, shit. I'll sign those with, uh, with different quotes from uh, the second Ninja Turtles film. <laughs> Each one will be inscribed with a different quote. I'll pull them. So, Cowabunga. Yeah, Cowabunga. That's cool pizza man. Yeah. Where's cool. Splinter? Uh-huh. Krang's too realistic. Yep. Why is Megan Fox still doing these? <laughs> all those quotes. Don't the blame movie. Josh Applebaum. Yeah. It's all, all in the book. Yeah, it's all in the book. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, you. for doing the show. Guys, of course, we, we love all of your support and all the positive reviews and stuff that helps the show in many, many ways. And, uh, you know, when you support the sponsors that we have on the show, that helps the show as well. And, and sometimes like, you can do that for free. Like Spearmint mm-hmm. is, it's free. It's free. And it's mm-hmm. a cool thing. You could, and they do watch to see how many people download yeah. it. So they're, they're noticing they, the reason they keep uh, buying more ad time and stuff is because you guys support down, it, download, support mm-hmm. it and all that stuff. So, uh, you guys are awesome. I uh, hope to see all of you at PodFest in September. Thanks again, uh, to our guest, Jensen Carp. Bring your kilt. Bring your kilt. <laughs> kilt party. <laughs> kilt it up at the Self Hotel. <laughs> Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. $300. <laughs> <laughs>